Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to AI Comic Pod episode 8, this week talking about Netflix's wonderful production of Daredevil. Uh, it's myself, as always, Rory, uh, joined by Stu. How are you, mate? Hello, I'm good, thank you very much. And we've got a first-time guest with us today. We have, yeah, it's Kay, Kaylon from the, well, from pretty much everywhere involved with AI, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he's the host, uh, the host of the South African pod and the host of the, the global pod. How are you, Kay? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, it's a pleasure, mate. I'm really pleased you came on. So we've been, ever since we kind of kicked off um, doing these, we've been looking forward to delving into to Netflix uh, Marvel productions because it's... We've both been blown by, way by, by both this and Jessica Jones, and there's obviously a lot more to come this year from them. Okay, so in typical AI comic pod style, we start with the quiz. Uh, we've had some mixed rounds so far in the three we've done. Uh, Gags is still still down down in bottom place. Um, Chris, despite his infinite knowledge of Guardians, is in second, and Zach was was excellent and takes the top spot at the moment. Um, Kay's been a little bit nervous about this, as he says. So we're gonna go. It's not the hardest. TV show quizzes are a little bit different. <laughs> Don't to tell films. them that. Don't well, tell them that. <laughs> well, I'm trying to just make This is the hardest one. I, I'm putting, I actually, putting I you at ease. I'm trying to ease you. Calm <laughs> I you spoke down. To, I spoke to Gags um, about coming on the coin pod, and yeah. uh, I was speaking to him after we did the AI birthday pods, and I said, is there anything I could get you as a birthday present? And he says, oh, if you're going to do the comic pod, get less than me. <laughs> and I said... Um, I'll try my best, pal. I can't promise anything. I think but if you know, I, I think it's mathematically impossible to get less than gags. But let's just see. <laughs> yeah. um, the only way you're going to get worse is if you answer every single question with. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Let's start. Question number one: right. uh, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Iron Fist make up which superhero team? Oh God! It is this dude was talking. Uh, it's in my head as well. Is it Justice League? It's no. not Justice League. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. No, so I. So I. Um, yeah. Sorry, guys. It's. It's, uh, it's, uh, the, yeah. it's the Defenders. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I thought I'd just take a poke in the Justice League. That's all right, man. That's all right. All right. Uh, how old was Matt when he was blinded? Was a nine. Well done. It was. Well done. That's a good answer. How can Daredevil tell if someone is telling the truth? He can listen to their heartbeat. Well done. Spot on. Is that two? That is two. Uh, I'm sorry, Gags. (laughs) (laughs) Right, next question. Name another comic book adaptation that Rosario Dawson is starred in. Another comic book adaptation that Rosario Mm -hmm. Dawson. She was in that girl's one. 
It's basically like MIB for girls, but with a space thingy. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, no, nah, past. I can't remember. Nah, the one, the one that I had quite notably is Sin City. It's got a big role in Sin City. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good in that. Um, and then the last question: uh, What is the name of Matt and Foggy's legal practice? Nelson and Murdoch, attorneys at law. I think we'll let him have that one. It's Nelson and Murdoch Law Office. Yeah. <laughs> it's really close enough. Okay. Like, I, I had, um... Attorneys at law is actually a better name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. I had, the, um, I had the napkin in my head. You know when you wrote the napkin down and that, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. that was on there. So that wasn't the actual sign. That was but good, cool, thank, you. Three, thank you. Three out of five isn't bad at all. Um, all right, the, yeah. the bonus question, which you won't get a point for, but it'd be interesting if you know this. So, uh, what is Foggy Nelson's first name or real first name? It's Franklin. There you go. You would have got that. Have you got that? <laughs> <laughs> After being so terrible, on the, other one. One. the bonus question usually is a bit of a dick question because we, yeah. we do try and trip people up with it. Do you know what? I thought you'd get the defenders. I didn't think you'd get nine years old, which was well done. Um, and Sin City, it's a bit of a curveball, but um, she does have quite a big part in that. And she's, she's yeah, no, I was well. for some reason I was thinking TV shows, and then I completely forgot uh, the movies whatsoever. Yeah, um, cool, man. That was good. So you got three out of five. You are not bottom of the list. You yeah. are firmly 60%. in third place. Sixty percent is good. You can get by yeah. on sixty percent in life. <laughs> um, so let's move on. So I don't know. You know, from my perspective. A lot of people go, oh, what's, you know, what's your kind of favourite TV series out like Daredevil and, and, and The Flash and, um, and various others? Um, I'm getting into Arrow, so I, I like Stu. I'm probably leaning that way. But I I was absolutely taken back by Daredevil when I watched it last year. Um, the hype was huge around it, and I hadn't really heard much about it. And then I thought, okay, because it, it, it's one of those Netflix series that all came out at once. And those series are ones that, if you like, you tend to binge watch them. And I remember mm. watching this in about 48, 72 hours. Um, I've watched it again since. And I was just absolutely blown away. Um, I think from my point of view, it's the it's the kind of gritty, dark edge of it. And we talked before, you know, about when when DC gets it right with Batman um, and the Batman films was when, was when Gotham was told so well. And I think the big thing with Daredevil here and Jessica Jones is, is that the city is just so great. So Hell's Kitchen is just so dark and it's so violent series and it just doesn't hold any, you know, pull any punches. I think it really took me by surprise. Um, Stu, first thoughts? Uh, same as you. I, I was really made up when they announced you were going to do this because I, I think Daredevil's one of the most intriguing characters out there. Sort of in the ilk of Green Arrow, Iron Man, Batman. It's sort of believable. Not so much the you know the fact that he's blind, but he's not really blind. But the fact that his main weapon against crime and what have you is just good training, physical fitness. It's sort of believable that somebody could get into that shape and do the things that he does. And the way Netflix have done it, I sort of hate the fact that they drop them all at one go because it makes me need to watch them because I don't want everyone else to have seen them before I do. But in the same way, I love it because I love binge watching. I hate finishing an episode and knowing I've got to wait a week before the next one. And I think I I watched this in about four days. So I I sort of did it in like three big stints. And I've I've not actually gone back and watched it again since, and I really need to. I want to watch it again before the second season comes out. I was going to say it's kind of the, the kind of perfect time to go back and watch it. Um, yeah, because I remember watching Jessica Jones, and it it made me want to watch Daredevil again. And I think that's why it's so clever um, because it, it kind of throws you into the the universe that you want to be involved in, and it is so different direction from from because it's not on TV and it's it's not got the the, the worries with the rating and when it's going to be released and all the ad breaks and all that kind of stuff. It just it just plays out really well. What about yourself, Kay? I was absolutely blown away. So I mean I'm I'm a weird I'm a weird kind of geek in that I watch action, fantasy and sci fi movies with very specific frameworks in mind and they're not the kind of frameworks that you think they are. They're really stupid. But come on, you've got to the, share. What, you can't you can't you can't just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so so where do you start then? Okay, so when I was little, it was 
it was the first thing that you know the first hero everybody had was like Bruce Lee and yeah. the, the the leap in choreography when it came to the physical side of it was absolutely sensational and the the jump that it had from normal things was such a big thing it it really started defining entirely new forms of cinema right it was it was like uh, action it, you you could suspend the plot and and still have a really good time watching a film and not feel really guilty about it because this was amazing so later you know you get into you go through university or whatever and you start thinking oh movies have to have this wonderful plot that you know you almost need a degree to watch them and those are the good movies but it more became a point of it needs to have a great story so for example science fiction never came up because of the science it came up because there were things that were too big to handle in a normal story and you had to tell them by some other way. So for example, H.G. Wells and let's say War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds was written after the British Empire went to a First Nation civilization and basically wiped them all out. And he was so disgusted by this, he wrote the book to show to try and show the British Empire that nobody is actually invincible, right? So stuff like that that's good sci-fi when it links into a story that you can feel at home and uh, it needs to have a ethical point to it. It needs to have uh, something like that and it needs to have really good characters and people. Um, I, I want to be filled with wonder. I want to be filled with amazement. I want to love the characters. I want to have thick folklore spread all over it. I want it to be vaguely adherent to scientific principles and what that basically means as well is I then never watch trailers and I never read previews. I always walk into, as much as I can, everything just uh, just uh, blind, which is very appropriate for our little pod today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the polar opposite <laughs> of Stu, I may add, who Stu yeah, yeah. the trailers. And, and I, I, I love that. I love that people get so excited about the movies and they watch the trailer. I, I think that that's, that that's great. I was just... Uh, the, the problem happened for me when I built up avatar to the point where it was just not fun watching it i just expected the absolute moon and then what is it, it was called what is the element on there it was called like unobtainium or something like that and uh, yeah some rubbish like, yeah the minute that happened i was i just felt like the whole movie fallout from under itself uh, yeah no, if, you, just, if uh, you're a firm not... believer in sci-fi being realistic avatar isn't gonna float your boat let's put it that way yeah and the, and there wasn't there was there sort of there wasn't enough that that I didn't read up on before the movie that interested me enough. So I went through the whole movie and it was, it was nice movie. It was good. And everybody else was enjoying it so much. I thought, no, this is rubbish. I want to go to movies and I want to enjoy myself. So this is what I, so that's, that's why I do it basically for personal enjoyment. And, uh, and basically it was people on AI specifically gags who was going, Oh my God, daredevil. You have to watch daredevil. (laughs) And and that was what really got me excited about watching it. And uh, he kept on pestering me. He's like, you've got to watch it. You've got to watch it. And so uh, after I watched it, I was absolutely blown away. And I, I thought, um, so just to go back to the original question, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that this was really interesting on, on, two, on, on very many different levels, but I'll speak to it on two. One is the actual Netflix format which is allowing you to binge watch this. It's built for binge watching. We can get yeah. into that a little bit later, but, yeah, but yeah. things like choreography, things like character development, things like music, they, they're all built into the, it is mind blowing. It's not a series to watch it one week and then wait and wait for no, the next no, week no. to come when you watch a bunch of stuff. If you binge watch it, you actually enjoy it a lot more. Um, obviously there were IP problems with it and Daredevil was one of those things that got sold outside of Marvel. And this was the thing that brought Daredevil sort of back into Marvel, which I think helped a lot with that type of thing. They got to explore characters and in that way, develop this thing of let's spend a char- let's spend an episode doing this. Let's spend an episode doing this. And they could do it because you had this free reign. Uh, and the second level, because of that, because of the Marvel level, you have this wonderful layered universe that these series are doing. Jessica Jones, uh, Daredevil in particular, where they reference you know, the incident or what do they call that thing where the Hulks met and, and, and smashed, but I, I can't remember what specifically they called that. But they reference those into those are big things that ruin cities that they lived in. And so you have the big hitters, you have Thor and Iron Man and these really huge super superheroes. And underneath them, you have the people who 
who clean up the things that are in the middle of it. And this is absolutely pivotal for Marvel Universe, not, not from the point of view of profitability, from the point of view of folklore. They have to address every single layer of society because that's you. You can make the difference. That's what you have to believe. So if we look at the characters in Daredevil, we're actually every single one of them. In Jessica Jones, we're actually every single one of them. But I, I mean, I'm sure we can talk about that a little bit later. But it, it yeah, was yeah, absolutely yeah. mind-blowing. Well, to yeah. be honest, I think you've just killed it there. I think we should just stop now. Because <laughs> what, what else Sorry. do you need to say other than that? Mate, that, well, that is, yeah. That is, that's, that's some prologue right yeah, there. That, um, that's spot on. That's essentially my views magnified in thought process and in style and substance. Mine are a little bit more dumbed down than that, but I'll try my best. Um, I just like the bits where people get hit. (laughs) (laughs) Those were were magnificent bits, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. I think going back to what Stu said, I think that the relatability, and and Kay said as well, is, is a big part of it, because I think that's what we said about Batman and the way it was done by Tim Burton is, is the city feels like a city you could live in. I think with the the big kind of cinematic universe of Marvel, they're amazing films and everyone loves them. But like you said, you, you know, Stu said it's more realistic. I mean, the guy's blind, obviously. <laughs> There's elements of it that you, you've got a question in terms of his abilities, but he doesn't have any superpowers as, as such. Yeah, and they, that's, they avoided that's, the obvious things of so many times someone is in an accident and some mysterious chemicals fall off the back, you know, he's going to grow wings or suddenly mm, sprout mm. claws or impenetrable yeah. skin. You know, this is, it's a lot more basic than that. And I, never I know. think that's it, why it leads into Arrow a little bit. I know they're different, yeah. but I think um, the element with the, I love the Flash and we're going to do a pod on the Flash um, with Simon Brundish, but everyone in there's a metahuman. They've all got superpowers. It's like the X-Men kind of, element of it that they've all got different powers and stuff and that's great to get on board with and it's it's fun and exciting but it doesn't feel i think like Kay said you 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 feel like you could be involved in one way or another not necessarily a lead character but you could be involved in the city and involved in uh in what goes on and i, th- I think that's a big part of it when you watch these series you know, like we said, that the hook of them is the big draw. You watch it and you you listen to that music, and when it finishes, you don't really want to go to sleep. You want to hear that music again and, and watch yeah. the next episode, and and that plays on your mind. And then social media takes over where you start talking about it because it's on your mindset. And um, that's why Netflix, when done well, especially in their original series and development. It's just incredible because word of mouth gets around and, you know, people like Nina have, have watched and enjoyed Daredevil and Jessica Jones, but before that, she'd not really been involved in it. It, it very much plays on the viral nature, doesn't it? Everyone exactly. now mm. wants to mm. watch it, talk about it, share it. And, I mean, Netflix is perfect for it because there's not many other ways that, I mean, you can watch it on every platform, can't you? You can watch it exactly. at home, you can watch it on your TV your laptop, your mobile, your tablet, you can watch it at home or away or abroad or wherever. And it really is universal. Is it, South it, Africa it, getting the joys of Netflix finally? I hear they are. Uh, we are getting a version of Netflix. We are even getting competitors to Netflix, which is, uh, which is new, but uh, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's definitely a sort of relatable element specifically around Hell's Kitchen. You know, because whenever cities yeah. are shown, it's always New York, and LA and London, there's, there's more people can probably relate to living in a little crappy part like Hell's Kitchen where there is a bit of crime and it's not perfect. You know, it, it, to me, it seems a little bit more relatable and that's not just because I live in Manchester. I like Manchester, <laughs> it's very nice. You live near Salford, that's why it's relatable. No, I live in the bit that's not on fire though. So it's okay. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's like we said, I mean, the series alone has got enough to kind of draw you in and get on board with. But then when you look through the the people that were cast and and the scripts and like Kay said, the, the choreography and the way it's shot and stylistically and stuff, it's it's really well done. You know, you wouldn't have thought necessarily it's a it's a Netflix well, I mean Netflix produce high end stuff, but you wouldn't have thought it's not got a kind of movie budget and the and the, the all the elements that go into that because it's it's perfectly done. I mean, TV nowadays is generally such high end quality, but normally it's back 
by a HBO or a huge yeah. American franchise. And, and it's slightly different because this is my first, I mean, I've, I've watched other, you know, Netflix productions, but normally they're picked up sometimes second series, third series, um, where the, the network's dropped it and they've, they've picked it up and decided to run with it. Well, the third so, one obviously would, would be Breaking Bad, wasn't it? Was that the fifth or the sixth season of it? Yeah. So it already had a huge global following. So exactly. Everyone wanted to go, oh, screw it, I'll just get a Netflix subscription for a month. Yeah, well, exactly that. And, and you know, but with things like that, they've already got the writers on board and, and that kind of element. So for Daredevil and Jessica Jones and what this year will be Luke Cage and, and maybe Iron Fist this or next, um, their original productions, they're straight, you know, they, they've had all this in mind. And when we talk about the Marvel Universe, as Kay said, they're obviously planning the, the film releases and that's all the hype and everyone talks about Civil War and, uh, you know, maybe Doctor Strange and, and, and then the, you know, next Avengers films. But they're also linking into this Marvel, you know, Netflix area and that's going to maybe, you know, carry on into a, a film franchise and, and, and develop further on because these plot lines can just run and run because yeah. they're, built, they're built for TV, you know, and that's like you said, like the Arrow and, and Flash in terms of DC-wise. They're just built to make great TV series, and, and it's just such a difference in style. So I love the fact that you can just switch it on and, you know, and binge watch it, but it's just so addictive. Um, they've also <laughs> they've pulled in some really, really spot-on cast. I mean, I, I really didn't she expect was, them yeah. to have somebody the size of Rosario Dawson. Yeah, and she's a big, big name to to sort of take. A, a, it's probably quite a risky move. Like you were saying, it's a brand new show that's got absolutely no following, and a lot of people probably are thinking, "Daredevil." Well, who's well, that? we well, we knew Daredevil. Everyone, everyone knows the failed flop production of Daredevil, or a yeah. lot of people do, which was just a horror show of a film. Um, which ben, we will revisit when we do our. Um, horror um, crime comic book special in a couple yeah of weeks. we we will look at that when when everything you know failed it was such a terrible film and and i think people remember that slightly so going into this is a few tentative like oh christ why have they gone for that because it was a terrible well, film and franchise the the thing is with that i think i think what happened there was again they they took stories from the comics to fit this this format which was which was a really good idea. So I think the last thing we want to we want to listen to, especially on a TV series, is a rehashed origin story that oh we've God, seen a million yeah. times before. You know, Spider Man. Oh my dear God! If yeah. I see another origin story of Spider Man, I'm just going to spit. Thankfully, because, I mean, you the next yeah. ones won't have it. Yeah, we can have you on every yeah, week, yeah. Kay, because we basically come, <laughs> we come round to slating Superman and Spider-Man both weeks because the origin stories <laughs> yeah. are just the most yeah. irritating elements of them because, because we've known it take, all before. If you could yeah, go and, to and an they average take... person on the street and say, right, Spider-Man, how did he get his powers? Yeah. I mean, 99 <laughs> out of 100 people could go, oh, he was the one that got bit by the spider, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's played out. And that's yeah, why this was so great. Yeah. I think it's just it's just so stereotyped now, and and this one was so great because so I mean I don't know if you know sorry the guy who wrote Hitchhiker's guy Douglas Adams, yeah he had he had a theory that when you changed formats you change the story, so when he wrote the book he wrote the book but before that was is a series of radio shows and he it was a different story because it was made for radio and and I think that's a really really good thing so when they made this they they took the stories they took elements of various stories that would fit in really well with this specific format and the thing is about Rosario Dawson is she is an actual real life geek i was really hoping that to be true when i was when i was watching this because we know obviously from sin city but uh, before that from like uh, clarks and all that kind of stuff you know she's yeah. she feels yeah. like a geek but the way she delivers this stuff is it, it's like she knows she knows exactly what she's doing and from what I, from what i've read up on her she's really proud to be a geek she she, she revels in it as well so, she should you know, be one day geeks will rule the earth yeah yeah and so i think when they gave her the script and they said this is the idea this is how we're going to do it this is the format you can you can almost see her going yes yeah, yes, she probably, sign me she on. probably didn't even hesitate. She probably was excited by the project. And yeah, we said before about the people that 
and, and the directors and everyone involved who genuinely wants to be involved. And that makes a huge that, difference. You? No, exactly. Mm. And we talked about James Gunn as a director and how it worked on Guardians because he's a massive geek. He's, he's the ultimate geek, Marvel geek. He loves it all. Um, and it, it really does help because it means that they've read comics or it means that they understand the backstory or it means that they just want to get involved to that level. And yeah, it helps with actors, certainly. Um, and she's tremendous in it. I, I really did think her performance is, is one of the standouts because she's not pivotal in every episode. She kind of comes and goes throughout the series. But whenever she's involved, the level is raised just a touch at times and you can kind of tell her quality as an actress on 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 screen yeah i mean unless i'm mistaken she certainly seems to be the biggest name i mean vincent d'onofrio he's done a lot of stuff that i haven't personally seen but i've seen rosario dawson in quite a few things Mm. and same with john bernthal as well who sadly we haven't seen yet but the strength of his performances as a supporting character in season two have been so good that he's already earned himself a punisher show of its own and that, again, I think that plays into the Netflix thing. They can just say, well, you know what? We're going to give you a show. Whereas if that was a mm. network, if that was ABC, that would be being debated around boardroom tables by executives for months and yeah. months about whether they could do it and when it would be on. And, oh, well, we Our haven't got a good group for that. Netflix <laughs> yeah, all that kind fingers. of stuff. And, and also with the actors in it, uh, we talked previously about the fact that I think you, you could see if Netflix linked in with Marvel that maybe the actors would see a film out of it or they'd see progression and future. Whereas, you know, I know Arrow and, and Flash is going to be a long running series, but the guys haven't got the nod to star in the films. Which no, is... they, they, they've already mm. said they won't do it, but I, I really do think Marvel could. I mean, they, they could yeah. do what, what DC, as DC haven't got the balls to do a lot of things. Yeah. They could just cut and paste Daredevil into some kind of a Marvel film. I don't know how you'd do it, but they could even put him in a Spider-Man film. Yeah, yeah, Because, yeah. you know, you're talking Spider-Man, uh, even the Fantastic Four, Daredevil, the Punisher, they're all in New York. It's not unthinkable that Spider-Man might hear of, you know, there's this guy who, you know, he's patrolling the, the rooftops and he's, he's battering the shit out of people, but he doesn't kill anyone. He doesn't massively hurt them. You know, and Spider-Man sort of goes on the hunt for him and they have linked up in the comics and it would be interesting and I actually do think mm. it will happen. At some point in the next three or four years, I think DC, uh, Marvel sorry, will bridge TV and movies properly. I think they might do, yeah. And I think it might go both ways, which we talked about in the past, but we'll, we'll cover that another time. I think that, that links on well to, to Charlie Cox's performance. Um, he wasn't a necessarily well-known Actor, he's a British actor. I'd never um, heard of him. Stardust, I, you saw I'd Stardust. I'd seen him in Stardust, yeah. Did you? <laughs> Did you yeah. I, I had to go actually look that up. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd seen Stardust. I didn't recognise him. If you're on British telly, it's, it's probably on E4 uh, literally once a week. Um, so <laughs> eventually you might stumble across it. Um, and yeah, he's he's not an actor that's that's had a lot of, a, a lot of parts, but... Um, He's great in this. I mean, I, I give him a lot of juice. He he plays the kind of perfect daredevil as such. Um, what Stu said earlier, which is which is great, is when characters have a split. You know, the the kind of mask for their everyday lives, and then obviously the mask for their their superhero lives, or, or whatever you'd call it. When done well and believable, it's great. When glasses are put on and taken off, it's not so great. <laughs> yeah. um, and, but that's what works for me because Charlie Cox obviously got into great shape. Um, I think he acts it well. I think it's one of those series that I think all the actors develop in as it goes on a little bit. And that mm. might sound a little bit strange, but obviously when they're introducing them and, you know, I, I wasn't the comedic values of Foggy Nelson didn't do a lot for me early doors, but even he kind of grew on me as it went on and the story developed and the, the kind of script with them, you know, developed. So, and certainly Wilson Fisk's character um, just, just went strength to strength as the series went on. Um, and you got to know more and, and see the really dark kind of nature inside of it. And it got darker and darker and darker Daredevil, which is it what did. I loved about it. Every episode got, a little bit more murky, didn't it? And the be- I would say the best character development in it was 
Wilson Fisk because at first he was cast as the kingpin, but I don't think he ever became the kingpin. They never, they never named him it. Yeah, they never named mm. him the kingpin in the. Yeah, entirety. I think they they were very very clever about that. He wasn't the kingpin until he suffered in the way that he has. You know, he's 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 losing his his wife to be, and everything seems to have fallen down around him. And that scene, I think I've mentioned it in the past. That scene in the end of the very last episode where all of his boys have just broken him out of the police van and he just stands on the van and all of a sudden he's got this big, huge stature and he's looking out and that's the first time that he's become the kingpin. Yeah, it's and great. That, that scene was very powerful because I sort of thought, oh shit, what's going to happen in season two now? Because he was a little bit, he was a bit of a wuss at times, wasn't he? He was suffering from his... Yeah, his childhood. He was, he, yeah, he was well, still he was sort of bearing his the scars. But he, yeah, he bearing the scars, but he, he didn't want to fully embrace the the actual psycho that he was. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, I think he was was really excellent. And uh, we've always talked about good villains, but he's he's portrayed extremely well. He um, was. But this is this is the problem, though, isn't it? I mean, the, a hero is made by the villain. Yeah, that's why Batman is so ridiculously good because. You have you have this absolute psycho on the other side of the Joker running through, and because arguably Joker is the best villain we might have in comic books, and people can say you have the best hero in Batman. When you have Vincent D'Onofrio doing what he did with the Kingpin, it's it actually, you know, I completely agree with Stu. You might you, how do you? How do you not put somebody of that stature now? Because what he does is he elevates Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you have, you've already seen that, haven't you? He's already accepted yeah. that to take him down, he's got to yeah. step up his game. He's got to be willing to do things that months ago he wouldn't have done. And it's exactly yeah. what you've said with Batman. Every time the Joker does something, Batman seems to get closer and closer to almost to killing someone or he's maiming people. And I think that's a great point. The villain needs the hero, but the, and it's just and, a, a horrible, vicious cycle where they're just feeding off each other. It was. Uh, I thought. I thought the absolutely brilliant thing about Daredevil was that the world, as you, as you guys said, the world is real. So you have this really like terrible system of like you know just corruption, oppression, and uh, it's just evil, really. But it's it's actually the system that that's evil. So what happens there is that. If you want to escape it, there are particular things you can do. And one is to be like super rich. You can escape it by being super rich. If you're not, you have to be exceptional at something or you have to really become a villain. And, and villains are really these like um, we see them a lot in, in older comic books. But these 19 sort of 60s to 80s mafia people who you can almost root for. Because they're sort of in the community, and D'Onofrio brings that to the screen. Not in terms of that um, that type of of villain who's who's going to help his community, but his father was that kind of person almost. And when he when he says he respects somebody for doing something, you know the the scene with uh, with Ben Urich, and and he says, um, yeah, you know, I, I I respect what you do. I absolutely absolutely believe. Wilson Fisk respects the people that are in front of him. He respects their abilities. He respects their conviction. And he still kills them. And and when he does that, you can still see the rage that he brings from the little boy. His, his performance is absolutely off the scale. The, yeah. I mean, he is, he is one of the central pivots of this entire series. And he just wears it like a, like a well-tailored coat. He just absolutely owns it. I think that is an excellent point for us to take a little short break. So if you stick with us, we'll be back in a few seconds. You're listening to The Unfield Index. The Unfield Index. A podcast channel. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, we're back. Uh, as Kay rightly put, uh, you know, the performance of Wilson Fisk and, and the way it's portrayed is is one of the finest parts about the series. I think it's crucial to remember with any of these kind of series, it's it's all about the supporting cast and, and you know, even the elements of the way his father's portrayed and, and acted is, is a really good little backstory and you really want to get to know more about it as it goes through. I think the other characters in it, and there are some credible actors who've got some pretty big standings. So uh, Debran Wool, who plays Karen Page, he's she's the kind of love interest, really, more than anything else. But her her story kind of starts with a bit of a bang. And and she's good. You know, she's a really credible actress. I think she, she delivers well. Yeah, what do you it, think, it, Stu? It, I think it's a bit of an understatement saying it starts with a bang. I mean, <laughs> I didn't, I, I knew that, I knew of Karen Page and I knew the way she was going to be portrayed, but I certainly didn't expect that. I mean, I, I've never actually read much Daredevil, so I don't know if that's a storyline that they've created or if it's something they've migrated from the comics, but it's a really harrowing way to introduce what who becomes the leading lady of starting off as, you know, she's been arrested for murder. It's, it, it was a pretty, it was a bit of a slap in the face, wasn't it? I mean, you can't see that happening in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or even Arrow or Flash, someone just being dropped straight into a bloody crime scene, crouched on the floor next to a dead body, holding a knife and just covered in blood. It was very harrowing, but she's very good. I think she was actually maybe a little bit understated, but I think sort of the back half of the season, she did become a little bit more prominent and she was trying to crack Matt's tough exterior wasn't she she was really trying to get him to open up and yeah and her scenes with Ben Ulrich are, are really good as well actually um, yeah I think he's a, a quite a pivotal member of, of the series really I think his kind of story and and the way it kind of interlinks is that's also very interesting to me and I I wanted to know how that would develop um and his kind of background in in dealing with the mafia and and those elements of of the city so I thought that was really good between those two um, what about you anyone else Rory that you want to pick up on I said about Foggy has anyone else got anything nice to say about the guy not really I, I'd really <laughs> like to be able to but I can't I, I've got one little useless piece of trivia an extra question in case anyone wants to know. Um, Vanessa Mariana, Wilson Fisk's love interest. Yes. She was in another comic book film. Oh. Any ideas? And if I hear any Googling, you're getting an electronic slap. I'm not Googling. <laughs> um, are we, give me a clue. Are we talking? We're talking DC. DC. No, no, I think, no, I can't remember anything. She played Superman's mum in Man of Steel. No way. Yes. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I wouldn't Damn. have got that if it's you only gave just me a year. Me. There you go. There Some you good go. knowledge there. I think that the pivotal thing that we always say, I mean, other than uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's performance, um, and, Matt, and Charlie Cox, because I, I do think he grows extremely well into the role, there's one other character that's this almost a cameo in it, um, or I think only plays out in one or two episodes, um, but it's his mentor, Scott Glenn, who plays ah, Stick. Um, and I think he, he's known as an actor for doing kind of borderline. He, he, he does the mentor quite well, but with that kind of dark edge quite often in, in film. Um, and I think he's really good. And I think it's it's a good episode or two where you, you kind of develop the, the backstory of you know, his training and, and how he came to have those kind of abilities that he had. And he's a bit of a dick as well, isn't he? Oh, he's he? a massive <laughs> dick. He's, you know, he's, he's got this kid in front of him. He's, he's struggling, you know, with the loss of his vision. And he's just 
taking the piss out of him constantly and oh you're not doing this right and hitting him and but you know you come to him 20 years later on and you look at him and you look at how he's developed his, his abilities and he's it's a bit of tough love isn't it but, yeah, yeah I think all of these kind of things always have that kind of figure where you know it it was it was he was portrayed as much more of a bastard in in a Netflix production than he would be in a in a film production or, or something else. But you know, Arrow, Arrow's, Arrow's got his kind of you know. There's a lot of great things on Arrow when it goes back to the backstory and development. Jessica Jones, for instance, didn't really have that. You know what I mean? It didn't it didn't show its hand as much on on her development, and and I think they'll go on to do it in other series. But I think the way it kind of progressed to to Daredevil becoming Daredevil. Um, the pivotal action scene, and there's lots of great action scenes, and, and the pacing is fantastic, but uh, the pivotal action scene has to be the corridor. Yeah, I, I love that. I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned it to a lot of people before. The thing that blows me away about that is that they did that in one take. That That's not sewn together or clever editing. They did that in one go. And, and the way it's shot scene. is incredible. It's yes. a very long scene. Charlie Cox at the end of it, he's panting and he's bent over double. And you actually believe that between him and his stuntman, they must have been absolutely exhausted after doing that. And all the extras. And every time it looks like it's finished, another body comes flying out of a room. And that, that by far the best scene. And when, if ever I tell anyone about it, I say to them, wait till you see the corridor scene. And they're like, what do you mean? And you go, you'll know what I mean when you exactly. see it. And they always do. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you guys had that response, but uh, that same reaction. But at the end of that, sort of the end of episode two, you know, as it, as it ends and the credits are rolling, you're sort of just sitting there going like, what the actual hell? Just yeah. Yeah. What the actual, what did I just watch? Oh my God. I couldn't even go back to watch it again. Because I was so stunned by what I've just seen. Like, I mean, it, uh, it was, I, I went to go do a little bit of trivia and just to find out how they did it behind the scenes. They actually, while it was prepared, while it was scripted, it took three days to prepare. You actually need weeks to prepare for it. So, so Ch- Charlie Cox and uh, Chris Brewster, who's, uh, Chris Brewster is an amazing stuntman. Um, he also does Captain America. Oh, so, okay. um, yeah, uh, so there you go. And they, so they prepared and prepared and prepared. Now, how Charlie Cox usually does the scenes and how they've managed to do the choreography so well is he usually memorizes six to ten moves and then they, they cut it and then they move to the next six to ten. And that's why you get a lovely fluidity while still allowing for your cinematic takes. To do this one, they actually, I mean, they, they took three days to prepare. One entire day went to cameras. One entire day just went to, to moving cameras around, getting the right shots, having people in position and stuff like that. It took 12 takes, 12 takes to do. And on the, obviously, the 12th one was the perfect one. They had a couple that they could use, but they said, no, this is good. That's good. It's not perfect. We don't want good. We want something that's going to go down in history. That's a direct quote from there. And uh, so one of the interesting things is I, the, the bit I love about this thing, I, I will never stop laughing about that is the microwave guy. If you saw no, he opens the door, the, the microwave, microwave just comes out, it just hits him in the face. It, oh my word. It was, I'll never stop. But the, the scene is in green. And this is, uh, so uh, in my previous job, I did a lot of things with color theory. But the thing is about green and light is it's contrary color is red. So if you stare at green for a long time, when you blink, you see red. So when you have a scene like that, if you're exposed to green all the time, when you blink, you see, you kind of, you kind of feel like subliminally the entire scene is just dripping in red. It's just on fire with red. So it's, it's blood, it's fire. And then obviously at the end of this cleverly, then you're sort of seeing a red tinge over daredevil, a hero who is predominantly clad in red. Yeah. 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 Very clever. uh, and, it's, and, and, and the other really clever thing is that when, when the scene ends and he opens the door and get the little boy, that room is red. So oh, I need it's to go a, back it, and watch this again. It's a, it's a precursor. Uh, yeah, I watched it it's today, a precursor yeah. to the suit, right? Yeah. But also, when you finally actually see the color red, you actually relax because you've been seeing it and seeing it. Where is it? It's not actually there. Where is it? Where is it? It's not here. It's not here. Oh, my God. There it is. 
we're not letting you and back on again. You relax. You're making us sound like idiots with all this. <laughs> no, I, the only reason I know that is, is uh, like as I say, I, I was uh, in a in a previous job. I was a graphic designer, so so that that sort of this thing. But um, but they do this in this movie. The, the the like for example, I mentioned the way they use music. They use yeah, it yeah. in little bits. Very interesting. Like especially the bassy bits, like. Ooh. It's clever. There's, there's clever, really clever. There's clever trigger. Like any any good, you know, produced series has that kind of trigger music. We've talked about it with uh, with films when they introduce certain characters. I mean, and the big one obviously has got to be Star Wars. Hasn't it? It. Well, you, obviously, you, you yeah, know yeah. when something involving Darth Vader or the Emperor is going to happen. Yes, exactly. Go down. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. No, no, example. no. Exactly, exactly. And and you just know this, those subtle kind of undercurrents. I think. Um, that scene, like we said, I think I love when when scenes are filmed that way, but the, the way it's filmed on the kind of direct line of that room and when the microwave is thrown out of that door <laughs> and just cracks him across the head. And like Stu said, you, there's a there's a scene just after that point, so about it's about a three-minute scene, so there's about 90 seconds in when they stop to take their breath and, and the guys, you know, they get up off the floor and they go back for round two. And it feels a little bit like a Bourne scene. I think Bourne kind of revolutionised the way that things were shot in terms of that kind of action. And obviously, that's close camera, kind of third person view. Um, that's a you know a slightly you know deeper view of events. But in terms of the style of, of action and the way it's done, I thought it was it was great, and it did blow me away because you normally get that kind of action and that kind of choreography and stunt style with with high end films. You know, like Kay said, the amount of time and effort that's gone into producing this is is that of a really big budget, you know, and, and big style kind of film. And, and it's it's great that they can do that on this level and it makes such a telling impact. And and the way it, it's slotted into the, the episode and the way the episode ends, that's what hooks you. You know, you watch a scene like that and you're like, Christ, I can't sleep. I've got to watch more of this yeah. and more of this and more of this. Because mm. you're waiting. I mean, it's, it's got great elements all throughout, but you're waiting for that next kind of killer scene. Some of the other kind of main scenes in the film, scene in the bowling alley, I remember being mm. kind of shocked and stunned by that. Um, and and the, then the, the, the big fight scene where um, he's fighting, I've, I've completely lost his name, the, the assassin from the hand. Yes, where he's literally getting strips torn off. Oh, him. Nobu, Nobu. Yeah, that's it. I mean that that is a really bloody scene, isn't it? There's one bit where he throws oh. a a hook, isn't it, on a on a chain, and he's he's dragging him across the floor, and yeah, he, the, he, I mean Daredevil is just covered in blood, and he's he loses a lot of blood, and that and that must physically that must have taken a lot out of him. And there's a my main thing. There was actually a lot of really good deaths in it. There was one. I, I, I was actually <laughs> nice. I was getting no, ready were. to go out. Yeah. I was getting ready to go out, and um, my girlfriend was sat on the floor. She was doing her hair, and I'm watching a scene, and I'm going, "Oh no, 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 don't do it!" Oh god! And it's the one where the guy knows he's about to get killed because he's given someone up. So he just goes over and headbutts the spiky railing on the wall. Yeah, and he impales himself right through the eye. Then there's the one where Wilson Fisk smashes the guy's head in the door. And all yeah. of a sudden, you, the weird thing about that is I can vividly remember it. The sound changes. Oh. It goes from being a crunch to being a squelch. And, and after that, after that, the sound just gets insane. Yeah. You really get the first feeling of the immensity of Wilson Fisk and what he can do. And you're like, yeah. oh, my God, what the hell? Because in the my first exposure to the Kingpin was from the Spider-Man cartoons and that's the way yes, he was always exactly <laughs> he was huge I mean he must have weighed about 400 pounds but he was also strong you know he could he would bear hug Spider-Man and it would feel like he was about to snap him in half and that was a sort of teaser to that that he comes off as this gentle giant you know and he's pretending he's, he's interested in art and he's looking at that stupid white painting but at the same time he can beat a man's head in without a second thought I agree. Yeah, I think I think Kingpin's normally portrayed as being like six seven and four hundred pounds, um, mm. and in this, I think he's six three and about three hundred and thirty pounds. So he's a little bit smaller, but he he 
he's certainly the, the character fit for it. I but mean, it, it's more relatable, isn't it? There's more chance of him more, being yeah. that size than him being an absolute fat giant. Yeah, I think I think in the film is it is it Michael Clark Duncan? Yeah, think and he would be obviously uh, known as as being a huge huge uh, presence on on film. So I think they really nailed the casting. I think throughout, to be fair, and yeah, it's just such an excellent series. And having watched the trailer today for the second series, which is out next month, I think yeah, twenty eighth um, of March. It does. It's it's all about the Punisher. It, so, oh, absolutely. And they, they've also, at the very, very end of the trailer, you finally get to see Elektra. Who you is, do. Who is going to be another another big one, because they did tease her in one episode. There's a bit where yeah, Murdoch and yeah. Foggy are sitting down on some stairs and they're reminiscing about when they were back in law school. And Matt mentions his, his Greek girlfriend. And a lot of people, I mean, I, that one didn't really do anything for me. But my beloved friend Ian... He mentioned that one to me, and he was like, "Oh, well, you know who that is, don't you?" He was like, "No, I've got no clue." And then he said it was a lecture, and I, I instantly think back to a lecture in the Daredevil film, which was just an awful disappointment. But they yeah, promised she was going to be a lot more mysterious. You know, she's not going to be Jennifer Garner for a start. She's going to be a bit more of an ass kicker, and you know she is because the series is more of an ass kicker. And that, yeah. that 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 trailer today. I don't know about you two, but I've already watched it three times. Just well, Kay Kay won't have watched it once because he's not a man that watches trailers. Boo. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not the, going the, to watch the, the trailer, which is fine. Yes. Which is fine. <laughs> I I watched it once, and I'm happy with once because I can see the the kind of the implication of where it's going to go. And I think now that you know the style of the city, and you know the way the kind of characters that they've obviously got a lot of deep development into the characters already. It might be very heavy action figured, but I think like Kay said earlier, the script is, is, is kind of paramount with these things. And I think when we go on to talk about Jessica Jones and, and the way this all kind of linked to links and in, in, in those kind of aspects of things, you've got to hope that they, they maintain that script and it just doesn't become I'm sure purely action. Yeah. Obviously I mean, even yeah. from the trailer, you can see they're giving, they're giving the Punisher some very, very heavy, deep dialogue. Because, I mean, that, that bit at the end is a cracking line, which they used in the teaser trailer. Punisher says to Daredevil, you're only one bad day away from being me. Sort of implying that he's treading the line so finely between just beating people up and actually killing them. And I think at yeah. one point in this trailer, he says, like, you're a half measure. I'm here to do the things that you won't do. And I really like that because the Punisher is the anti-hero. And you sort mm. of, I've always identified with the Punisher because how many times in comic book stories, films, TV shows, the bad guy gets beaten up, he goes to prison, he escapes, he does it again and again and again. Whereas when the Punisher stops someone, it's an absolute, you're not getting up from being shot or blown up or stabbed or whatever. Yeah, one of us, one of us is walking away. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and it, it, it's going to be the guy with the big massive skull on his chest. And John Bernthal's obviously done an incredible job to, to have got a show out of, I think he'd done something like two or three scenes, something like that, and that was enough to convince Netflix to give him his own probably. To be, to be honest, to be honest, he didn't even probably need to do that. If there's, if there's a better piece of casting or a more ideal piece of casting, I would be surprised this year because he... He's just, he's a very, very dark character on screen. He plays he plays that switch from light to dark really well. And his kind of portrayals in The Walking Dead, he certainly did that. He was just on the, on the edge of psychotic, just so, so close at all given moments, but you just couldn't predict his move. And I think um, his, his part's in that. And, and he's, a, he's a really good actor. He's, he's been in a lot of great films. He's mainly, you know, had kind of smaller, lesser parts, but I think this will be a really good thing for him. I think he's going to be, he's going to be great in this and, and, you know, go on to make its, you know, their own series of it. It's going to be really good backstory to get into. And I think that's what Netflix wants. It's saying to Marvel that just give us as much as you can give us because we know this works. We've got the, the guys in place to make it happen. Um, and, you know, they, they've already said they want to explore as many backstories as possible. So, you know, 
moving on from here, we had, you know, Jessica Jones came out after this and Luke Cage is obviously, you know, featured throughout. Luke Cage has got his own series coming to Netflix this year. Um, and then Iron Fist is the last one that I think they're producing and then going on to do something with the Defenders. The defenders, so, yeah. So the, I've, I've actually just come with a bit of an on-the-fly thought. Both of you, tell you what we'll do. We'll do Kay first as he's the guest. If you, can you think of one other Marvel character that you would like to see Netflix pick up and do a series like this, even if it's oh, somebody wow. who's already been done in film? That's a good question, and you know my answer, so we'll see what Kay says. <laughs> so to just pick another character to... To basically offshoot it into a series in this kind of dark, gritty, non-Hollywood produced. I would, I mean, uh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that, but I would really love if there was a villain series. I would really love if there was a, like a Kingpin series by itself. But even this whole thing with, with, for example, the hand and the chaste, that looks like a really awesome side story. It's not a bad show. I would also really love to see I forget his name now, like an idiot. But the, you know the guy, uh, like the gatekeeper in Thor? Idris Elba plays him. Oh, Handal. Yes, Handal. He looks like he's got an excellent story, how he got into that yeah, thing. That, that would I be, he just looks so big and so wonderful. He, he's that got would be the a build cool story. of a warrior, hasn't he? Like, you can yeah. see him on a battlefield and then somehow he's reached a point in his life where he thinks, you know what, I'm too old for this shit. Yes. And then he becomes the gatekeeper. <laughs> what about you, Rory? What, what's your first thought? If you could cast anyone, even if they've already been done? Well, we discussed it in the past. I, I'm going to go predictable only because I think it, it'd really work. Don't um, say what I think you're going to say. I'm going to say I want a Black Widow Netflix produced series. Oh, no, um, I wasn't thinking that. Fair enough. Uh, I want that because... Uh, we've talked about a, a, a standalone film and talked about exploring a backstory a little bit more, but I just think they could cover kind of her old missions and yeah. kind of strip it down to when it was, it's more simplistic. And then there could be good links in with cameos where Hawkeye can come into certain backstories and, and certain other, you know, Nick Fury and, and kind of, you know, it, it, it'd be tough to make it work. And Scarlett Johansson signed up to something like this might not happen, but I think she's dark enough and her backstory is really dark enough, which they can't portray properly, in my opinion, in, in, in at least an Avengers universe. They could do it maybe in a standalone film, but I think you could you could produce a really good series out of it if they, they gave it the right yeah, kind of script and backing. I think that's a really good shout. My, my first thought was Wolverine, even though he's a character that's been done to death purely because of the dark, gritty nature, and Wolverine's got mm. that edge, hasn't he? You know, he's not afraid to stab people and maybe before limbs. adamantium claws and stuff like that, something could, like that. But then that's I a separate thought, character, almost. Yeah. What about the Winter Soldier? The in between years, I think they could do a really mm. good job if they took Bucky. The the moment when he was found by Hydra on the that's floor, half dead in the ice. And he said, didn't he, you know, he was on and off doing these missions for 60 years. If they covered sort of a 10-year period in the middle, I think that would be incredible. Seemed yeah, if they out. took it back to, like, Soviet, I, I think yeah. that could work. Really, sort um, of Soviet Cold War era. Bucky's basically taken out anyone that pisses off the wrong people. But I, I must admit, the Black Widow one would be absolutely brilliant. And you know what? I don't even think Scarlett Johansson would be that hard to get on board because... I think she's spoken publicly so many times. She loves the character that she's portraying. And I bet you if you said to her, well, it's TV show or carry on being the supporting character, I don't think she'd take much convincing. It no, I think there's just an element with, with the kind of A-list Hollywood actress, actors and actresses that they are they are so busy, people don't quite understand sometimes how much prep goes into films and, and how much time, you know, they, they rarely get much time off if they're, they're producing film after film. So, um, and there's a lot of, you know, I read a little bit about who might have been cast for, for Daredevil, which I found quite interesting. Is it Michael C... Hall is it um from Dexter and that would have been that was he was very very strongly tipped to to be Matt Murdock which 
I'm glad they didn't go that way because he's so known as being a, a major character already in a in a and obviously a TV franchise. But um, yeah, he was one. But I think you'll find that more and more that if these Netflix kind of productions take off, you'll see maybe you know all the actors are brilliant in this but you might just see you know Rosario Dawson for me is a big pull but you might see more and more kind of higher caliber actors thinking this is this is going to work because Jessica Jones again the majority of the cast are, are relatively unknown with the exception of David Tennant who again is another excellent villain which we're going to discuss quite soon I'd hope any kind of final thoughts any any kind of excitements for the season ahead only one from me anyone who hasn't seen the season two trailer that's come out today, go and watch it and then mop up the drool on the floor because <laughs> this season is going to be unreal. I think this is going to blow season one out the water. Really okay. do. I th- oh, I've got so many thoughts on season two. See, the, the, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I don't watch trailers is, yeah, okay. um, is, is because, uh, so I mean, I, I thought you'd ask this question and I mean, obviously we, we're going to get to see Electra. It looks like, it looks like that's nailed on Punisher. Uh, we got a little bit of hint of bullseye, a uh, yeah. little bit of yeah. hint in season one. I'm not sure if they want to bring everybody in together. Um, I'd really, I'd really love them to, to uh, you know, maybe not for the next season, for the for the following season. But Madame Gao, what an interesting character, and and yes. how she came into it, and she's escaped, which is absolutely brilliant. Out of, out of all the villains, you you sort of wanted her uh, to, to go away. I think we're going to get into Matt's mum a bit. Because uh, she's you might in want and to rephrase that. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I apologize, apologies to to everyone. <laughs> Mrs. Murdoch. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, stick and stone. Ha ha ha! Lovely, well done, Marvel, and that. But uh, the hand and the chase to to see that again. Th- th- there's a very strong hint of Steel Serpent, and you know he's marking on the on the heroin packets and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, again, for season three and four, I'd love if uh, if a different black sky comes in, if we could explore that. That that really whet my appetite. But I think the biggest thing for me is if we could carry on with Kingpin. His character is so much more dangerous now um, because w- what's happened across the entirety of season one is he's gotten less dependence around him. He's become he's alone now. It 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 makes him more visible, but he can move quicker now. He's far more dangerous. I mean, you look he's at him. Definitely more dangerous. He, he's got nothing nothing to lose, has he? He's nothing already to lose. lost it. And he's stepped into it. He's stepping out of the truck, as you said, Stu, in that last episode. I think he's accepted it now. He's accepted. On the other hand, Matt has gone from somebody who was relatively alone to somebody who's gaining people. So he's he's gained Claire. He's gained Karen. Um, he's He's gained Melville, uh, Melvin Potter. Uh, he, he's gained Sergeant Mahoney. So that burden on him is increasing. And, and the burden of, of that being a hero is obviously going to uh, make that more and more and more. So I really do hope they play on that. And, and uh, to see Vincent D'Onofrio bring out Kingpin as this giant of the screen, ooh, I think that might be the biggest thing for me. I'm, I'm really glad you said that about um, Matt having all the dependents because it's been... It's been shown with pretty much every other character, hasn't it? As soon as you bring someone into your life, they're in danger. So every mm. time he gets someone closer to him, it's another target for the kingpin or, you know, hand to go after or something like that. It, that's a really good angle. It's, it's the pressures, isn't it? It's when people get brought into their lives and then they feel, you know, consequently the pressure of, of them knowing or you know, their safety and it changes their perspective. And yeah, I think he's, he's going to have a tough time kind of wrestling with his, his kind of new place, uh, you know, because obviously he only dons a suit, I think in the last episode, doesn't he? So yeah, it's very, he's, very near the end. you know, it is just a, it's the, the series for in its entirety is, is it's a development of the character. So yeah, there's some really great things to come. And I think, you know, if anyone's going to do it justice, it's going to be Netflix. And I think I think the only other, the last character that I think is going to surprise us is actually Karen. Uh, there's a hint in season one that she has this past, yeah. But the way the way she kills Wesley, yeah, that was cold. Is, that was it was just brutal. Cold. I actually I actually jumped in my seat when I saw that. <laughs> it was so unnatural because she shoots him the first time, right? And uh, obviously she said to him, "It's weird that you think 
I haven't killed somebody before. But she shoots him the first time. Usually, you know, when you haven't shot somebody, you go, oh, my God, I've dropped the gun. Now I'm going to get away because you're incapacitated because I just shot you. And instead, she just lays into him. Yeah. Empties the magazine right through him. And she w- and, it, it wasn't um, the typical oh, woman, wow. was it? Usually when you see a woman firing a gun, it cuts back to her and she's shaking and, you know, she's yeah. really timid. And, oh, my God. And she was like, ah, screw this. You know, that, yeah. I, that was really, like you say, she's, I don't know what, what's happened in her past from the comics. And in a way, I'm glad about that. Yeah, I think it's good not to know. Something. Yeah, I think it's good not to know. Very good. Really enjoyed that. Any plugs before we finish? Okay. Yeah, far away, Kay. Okay, the, the two AI birthday pods are out. So go give those a listen. Uh, if you're listening, there's also a uh, coming up very soon is a pod with uh, Roy, Nina, uh, Shui and Alex Chafer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but it's about uh, Jürgen Klopp and comparing his early days at Dortmund with the early days of Liverpool. So that's that's going to be really interesting. Ooh, I can't wait so for yeah, just just keep uh, just Very keep an good. eye out for those. Um, Alex, if you're listening, I do know it's pronounced Alex Chaffer after last night. Oh, despite, right. well, he's English and everyone thinks he's German, so they put an S on it and shove an umlaut in the middle. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, my apologies, Alex. <laughs> um, no, everyone, do check out the AI global pod i i love it i can't wait to be on it one day you know shri leroy and Kay do an excellent job um and if you want your r-rated deadpool of a pod listen to the srs south african pod now and again <laughs> it's just it's just the epitome of foul language but really good views really enjoy it it's a really good stripped down 40 pod anything from you Stu? Um, just the usual. Um, if you don't already follow us, which presumably you do, we are at AI Comic Pod on Twitter, facebook.com slash AI Comic Pod. And that's about it for our social media takeover. Please do share us with any friends that might be interested in comics. Um, we've loved the engagement that we've been getting. We're already getting suggestions and people have been jumping in with you know, a lot of people are talking about Deadpool at the minute, understandably. Please go and watch Deadpool. It's amazing. It's destroying box office records already. So if you haven't seen it, you are going to be left out. And you don't want to be left out with all the cool kids watching the, the and You don't want to be left out with the cool kids. No. And I would just say, you know, for, from what's, you know, to come from us. So um, we're going to cover The Flash soon with Simon Brundish. Um, Nina's going to come on and talk more Netflix and Jessica Jones and we do need to you know we got a few votes FIFA Vendetta got a vote Kick-Ass was really close behind so they're on the list and yeah there's loads of stuff we're going to cover in the coming weeks and months as Stu says any suggestions keep them coming and we do want to get more people on the pods we really love it yeah so big thanks to Kay for coming on and frankly schooling us several times I'm not used to this <laughs> mate well, we're getting used to it now what we need to go back to something we both you know excel on because last week it was Guardians and Chris just wiped the floor with us and then this week it's Kay giving all these or bit. we could just stop inviting people on yeah, maybe that maybe I that. think we should do that because then me and you get half an hour each to chat shit and we sound more intelligent yeah, yeah exactly win win Right, cheers guys, thanks very much. See ya. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 